Today's episode is sponsored by Alone in the Dark. The highly anticipated new reimagination by Pieces Interactive and THQ Nordic. Play as Edward Carnby or Emily Hartwood to explore your environments, fight monsters, solve puzzles, and uncover the true secret of Dorsetto Manor. Our favorite heroes are brought to life by Hollywood stars Jodie Comer of Killing Eve and David Harbour of Stranger Things, who lend not only their voices, but their appearance and their formidable acting skills to the brave protagonists. Experience a deep psychological story that goes beyond the realms of the imaginable, all dreamed up by Mikhail Hedberg, cult horror writer of Soma and Amnesia. The team at Pieces Interactive is supported by monster designer and legendary Guillermo del Toro collaborator Guy Davis, as well as doom jazz legend Jason Conan, who provides his eerie and haunting melodies for the right atmosphere. Alone in the Dark is available March 20th on PS5, Xbox Series XS, and PC. Pre-order your copy now and escape into the dark. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, a horror video game podcast and proud member of Bloody Disgusting's Bloody FM podcast network. I'm your host, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Bo. And this week, we're chatting about the asymmetrical multiplayer horrors of Dead by Daylight from developer Behavior Interactive. Dead by Daylight's multiplayer matches revolve around a group of four survivors attempting to fix generators to secure an escape from a single monstrous killer whose only concern is ensuring they don't live to see daylight. But isn't just Neil and I knocking over pallets and impaling survivors, as we're joined by writer, director, and co-creator of the animated series Farfetch'd, Dave Captiville. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, and for being one of the few people to actually get my last name correctly. What a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys? Not bad. I, you know, I've heard your name enough. Uh, on your shows to sort of say yeah th- this is how you say it because <laughs> jay was straight away is like is this how you pronounce it yep. yes yes it's fine. <laughs> it, it, so, is, yeah. it is it's a name where like i feel like my my family just decided let's throw it in as many unnecessary vowels as possible <laughs> to we get away with so just to fray people off <laughs> yeah just to throw them off but yeah I'm, I'm super excited to be here thank you guys I was going to say, I'm glad Neil threw that in there because I don't want to give myself too much credit right out the gate. I did have to consult him, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
pleasure to have you on the show. And, uh, you know, as we're relatively new acquaintances, as of, you know, five minutes ago, um, I'd love to start with just your sort of horror gaming history, if you will, sort of the first horror game that left an impression on you. And then maybe we could get into like a few of your favorite subgenres. Sure. Uh, yeah, I've been, you know, I'm a big, you know, all around horror fan, Halloween guy. I grew up like, I've actually said this before. It's kind of weird because I grew up actually being just a kid who was kind of scared of everything. (laughs) Um, like I'd be too scared to like get my power Rangers costume at party city because the skeleton out front. So dad would have to go get it for me. And I don't know what happened, but like around the age of like 12, 13, everything started to turn around where I started getting really interested in a lot of stuff. Like, um, the big one I think for me was the, when I got my PlayStation two and the first game I got on there that I saw, because I was just so intrigued by the cover was a war of the monsters for PlayStation two which is that fighting game that had basically just the knockoff of all famous kaiju, yes. essentially. And I just loved, like, that, that was also when I immediately fell in love with the whole, like, drive-in movie aesthetic of stuff. Because, yeah. because like, the, like the, uh, the UI in that game and everything. So there, th- that was a big one for me. And then I started getting into stuff like, um... Oh, God, I played... Oh, I played, uh... I, might, I did play... Perfect Dark. Yeah. Later on, on uh, and then I got into stuff like as I got older, people were recommending me, you know, all these different games, and then I fell in love with just Resident Evil just entirely. Yeah. Like if I if I had to pick, I've always said like if I had to pick like one franchise, it'd probably be my favorite. It probably would be the Resident Evil franchise. Um. Uh, and then, like, yeah, I just, and then it became a thing where, like, as I started, like, with my, you know, my internet career and stuff, um, that I put in, like, you know, 15 quotation marks, but, like, um, I, I just started streaming a lot more, and then as a result, like, just, I just got a, finally a chance to play all of these games I never got to play, because there was one big thing, like, when I grew up, and it wasn't, like, anybody's fault, but, like, I just didn't really have the opportunity to play a lot of games. I just kind of what I got my hands on. Um, but I finally got to play so many, like, horror games that I, I just fell in love with. And uh, so that's what I've been doing recently. Like, gone through all these franchises, you know, and everything. So That's and, an envious thing to have as well. Just to have so many of those games ahead of you, you know, at that point. I feel always jealous and jaded at this point anyone's <laughs> like oh i haven't played this franchise or this franchise or this game like, i get i i feel sometimes like back and forth because like i'm like sometimes i feel like that out of touch old man who like is like you what what the heck you haven't played this game before like i feel like people are gonna say that and i feel like oh like i feel like i missed out or something on my childhood but then but then it's like no it's just people encouraging you to have fun with it like my um like beside, like I would say, like probably my three favorite games, if I had to pick, are like, and this is this is such a hodgepodge of like Resident Evil Four, uh, Undertale, and then Doom. But I didn't play Undertale until six years after everybody else did, <laughs> and then it, I I like I got it and fell in love with it. But the problem was at that point, I'm like, well, I'm all, I'm all by myself now. 
So, yeah. and and that's how I kind of felt with like a lot of like, like like incredible like games I played recently. Like, but I and that and that's why like I started jumping on like nope, I'm not gonna let things pass me by anymore. I'm just gonna stay up to date with everything. And I started watching conferences and stuff, and now 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 I'm I'm here. So. Well, I found that doing this podcast with Neil has been more of like a selfish endeavor on my part because I totally relate to you in the sense that, you know, there are so many games that are viewed as being, I suppose, these stellar outliers within the series or even in some cases like with the Silent Hill series, which I'm going through now for the first time, uh, thanks to this podcast. Like I've used this podcast as an excuse to dive into those games when I never did previously just because of, you know, I didn't grow up with a PS2. I kind of went back and got a ps2 but then trying to track down a copy of silent hill 2 or whatever was difficult at the time yeah even more difficult trying to find an original copy of silent hill 1 and you know that's been something that i've enjoyed even more the older i get is just going back and finding games that either you know through uh, steam or good old games or whatever and just being able to play so many of these different games that i missed and even if i miss the conversation around them granted I have a podcast that I can talk about basically whatever I want. Um, <laughs> at the same time, you know, that's kind of the nice part about uh, Twitter which, for as long as that's around. Uh, you get to link up with people like Neil and yourself and, you know, we get to share our experiences with these games and why they stand out to us or why they're special to us, um, regardless of when they're released. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, that's been something that's been really nice over the course of the last two years is just having this platform to talk about horror games and not really attaching a time period to when we're covering certain games or this or that for older stuff. It's like, if we get the urge to it, we can talk about whatever. Um, And it's always been great, you know, publishing anything online, but like publishing an episode and we share an anecdote or an experience we had with something like that. And somebody comes to us and says like, oh yeah, that was my experience, whether they played it when it was released or, you know, late after the fact, like uh, myself or yourself. Yeah, no, exactly. And I feel the same way. Funny enough, because I used to do, um, I used to have a podcast myself, how I kind of started out where I would do like what you guys do, but yeah. I would talk about uh, movies, horror movies, and it was the same thing for me. Like I had seen a good decent amount to think that like I had enough to run a podcast, but as a result, I was like, well, I need to just kind of like educate myself about everything under the sun. So as a result, I would watch like every movie I could. To the point now where it's like, oh, now you have all this useless knowledge about movies no one knows or cares about. But th- there you go. You can at least talk to like people like you guys, uh, and it'll be a good time. Yeah. So. I was going to say, um, what, funny enough, one of the sort of outliers of that podcast days um, that really sort of did it for me, for you, was um, when you talked with Lyle Raff about, um, oh, yeah. about Inside. Funny enough, yeah, a game we covered on here, you know, that it, I, I'd only recently played it at the time, and it's the first time I'd heard any sort of outside words on it, and it was such a fun conversation to listen to, and, you know, from two people that I, I really admired in their respective platforms as well, so it was just great to hear games talked about in that way, with two people with such, you know, that sense of humour about it, and, like, really getting into it in a way that was deep, but fun so yeah i i think i said to jay before about this uh with inside especially it was um one of those things that made me want to talk about horror games like this in in a podcast environment because it was like wow yeah i don't hear that you know everything sounds very dry you know i know 
which is fine. You know, I think a lot of the time we we do end up being a bit dry because we're just talking, you know, about what we love about the games in a very you know, normal fashion. But still, I think the passion is what's there. You know, even if you aren't personally like into a game yourself, if one of the people involved is, it, it bounces back and forth nicely. I think that was, for me, that was a great sort of template for what I want to do with this show. Well, I, I really appreciate that. That's very, that's very kind of you to say, because it was, it was a lot of fun doing that show, because the whole thing was I kind of wanted an excuse, because the one thing I guess I was good at, or I guess thought I was good at, was talking about stuff like that, and I wanted to meet a lot of people I looked up to yeah. in the creative community. So that was my excuse, which was kind of a bizarre thing in hindsight, where it's like, let's ask internet creators to talk about horror movies. Yeah. Which is kind of a weird thing, but I guess people liked it, like, um, with Lyle especially, because I remember he specifically asked, like, he wanted to do, because he's a way bigger for a gamer, and he wanted to do that one, and then we, yeah. and that was the, like, when he said he wanted to do Inside, I was like, well, okay, well, let me go play this, and I was just like, oh, this is so cool, yeah. especially because that game has so much, like, personality put into it, and it's yes. it takes you for such a weird trip that... You know, all I can say is like, you know, like, you know, uh, skin meatball of an ending, <laughs> but like, you know, skin spaghetti and meatballs. But like, uh, it's it, that's so rad. It's like, you know, what, another one I should have brought up too, kind of like that, that I played recently that is uh, definitely is like uh, I played Little Nightmares 2. I just skipped to the second one. Oh, God, I love that game. I love the I love the style. I love how creepy it is. I love how fun it is. Um, I should have added that one earlier to the, to the list, but well, you just answered my next question for you, which was just like, what is a game that you've come to somewhat late, but has been this positive experience? And you know, I think that that is one of the benefits of just, I suppose, the accessibility of games now is something that Neil and I talk about a lot in terms of you know having access to certain games and whatnot, and how. You know, as we've seen, when there's lack of emphasis placed on things like backwards compatibility, that mm. becomes more challenging to experience certain games in their original form. You know, we've gone on at length about the fact that unless you have a PS2 copy of the original two Silent Hills, or excuse me, Silent Hill 2 and Silent Hill 3, it's like those codes are basically lost and they're not going to be able to do an HD remaster or anything like that that would resemble the original game. And right. while that was like a subset of our conversation, it's gotten us to chat a lot about just the idea of having accessibility to older games and ensuring that, and it's still very uh, in the in, you know infantile stages of making this sort of the general approach for the industry, but it's the type of thing where it's like, unless you get an HD remaster of something or a full remake, which, you know, this year we've been blessed with many fantastic horror remakes, um, some people are not going to get to experience certain games. And, you know, it's the type of thing that's worrisome and you would hope that there's more emphasis on it, but without certain, you know, HD remasters and whatnot, like I wouldn't, it wouldn't be easily accessible for me to replay the Silent Hill series. Um, so it's like, I have to play a, uh, you know, somewhat not fully authentic version of two and three, but I still get to experience those at the end of the day, which I'm going to take that somewhat truncated experience over not being able to play them at all. Um, and that's really been something that, you know, I think when we talk about games in general, we try not to really view them in the lens of like how current they are. I think Early on when you start a podcast, it's like, oh, I want to be competitive, so I need to be concurrent with what I'm talking about. New movie releases yeah. or new game releases, things like that. And 
you know, we're going to make exceptions for the the biggest games that are being released in a given month or, you know, whether it's through coverage, we get early access and things. But I think we have always strived to have discussions about games, no matter how old they are, as if they were just released sort of almost, you know what I mean? It's like, it's not always talking about or nitpicking the dated aspects or inconsistencies. They might come up, but, you know, I always find conversations, whether podcast or otherwise, that I gravitate towards that is more talking about the aspects of a game or a movie that make it singular, no matter when somebody's coming to that experience. Absolutely. I like, I, I, I would definitely say a great example of that. Cause you mentioned recently this year and last year, just been the time of remakes, especially of a lot of classics. I would especially say that, uh, with Resident Evil 4 that just came out because I, of course, that's been one of my favorite games for a while, but, and then I, I just, oh god, I fell in love, I played the, I'm about to do my third playthrough of that remake, but it, it, it encouraged, it encouraged so many people I knew who had never played the original to play it and then them be like, okay, I want to go back and play the old one. And that, and that's the sign of like a loving remake or remaster of something. And uh, as opposed to just, you know, a lot of a lot of things nowadays, they'll just completely flip the script on things and change it up. So it's kind of unrecognizable. That was not the case here. I also do think that um, uh, a lot of times now people because they are also, you know, the fan fandoms and fan bases are so strong Uh that sometimes it can be a little intimidating for people when they come into these things oh, yes. kind of late because they're like, you know, you're always kind of scared of that sort of like, you're just now playing this? And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, but like you shouldn't gatekeep these things. And that's what, no. that's what right. no. media is there for, just for people to, you know, discover it on their own time and how it affects them. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, and everyone's got that in them yeah in all yeah. media there's always something yeah. you haven't watched that's considered classic or, or played <laughs> it, that's classic it, yeah. it's it's just the way of it it's like it couldn't be more prevalent in film you know what i mean yeah, it's like oh, you yeah. talk about anything you mention something oh i've never seen that or you know i so in my work you know in the civilian life if you will like my work it's just like people that generally have a vague interest in film but they know i like movies so they'll talk to me about movies and Whenever anybody mentions something that I haven't seen, that's like considered a classic, a general audience classic or something like that. And they're like, oh, I can't like it becomes a big deal. They're like, I can't <laughs> believe you haven't. Seen. And it's just like the amount of genre shit that I watch and play. It's like I could say that about, you know, so many films that these people haven't seen. But it's like, I don't know. I think there's a disconnect sometimes in people's own experience with things where they get carried away to the degree that it means so much to them that there you have this kind of like almost explosive, whether they mean it or not, they have this explosive reaction where it's just like, (laughs) I can't believe you haven't experienced this. It's going to change your life forever, that type of thing. And it's always kind of just interesting when that kind of situation gets dropped on you, whether it's online or in person. In person is usually the type of experience where I just have to like nod my way through that conversation. Be like, yeah, man, that's I'll I'll get to it when I get to it. Yeah. It's Uh, like, like, hey, at some point I'm going to get there, but... You know, let me do it on my own time so I actually enjoy it, you know? There's only so many hours in the day, right? Yeah, so many hours, so many games. Well, too many. Uh, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, yes. Way too many. Speaking yeah. of with one, I'll, I'll give you a little spicy 
segue here. Speaking of one mm. that I spent too much time on, that's the the topic of today's program. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, Dead by True Daylight. Professional. Oh man, Dude, I feel like an old man doing this. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, what would you want to talk about? And I'm like, like there are so many different games that I listed off that I know you guys have already ca- gone over. I was actually kind of surprised that this was one that you haven't really uh, yeah. done a think, full episode on. I think it's mainly because Jade hasn't really played it, and I don't, I'm not dismissive of it. I've played so much of it. Yeah. But I was kind of, I always had a few people in mind when it came to this game. And I was like, well, you know, whatever. And that sort of fell by the wayside. And like, then when you brought it up, I was like, yeah, this is it. This is time to talk about this game. It, it was inevitable yeah. we were going to talk right. about it, I think. But it was just a case of, you don't want to get all the big hitters out of the way early, I think. And yeah, here we are. Yeah. You also you also want to have somebody that offers this type of game up as a game they want to chat yes. about. You know, it's whereas sometimes in our little circles or in DMs and stuff, we put out a call sometimes for things. And I would much rather a scenario like this where it's like someone that clearly has such a strong interest in a game such as Dead by Daylight. And it's like, okay, this is a person then that is like wants to chat about it so they are going to give us you know their most passionate take on it rather than the other way around where it's like we have this need to talk about this game is anyone interested type of thing yeah Um, and with a game like this you know we really do need the expert uh because you know as i've probably played the least amount of it uh between the two of you at the same time though it is this type not only a monumental you know horror multiplayer game but there's still so many aspects of this game that I like, even though I haven't played a great deal of it. And some of the aspects of it don't even necessarily have a lot to do with the actual gameplay or the structure of the multiplayer. Um, but before we kind of get too far ahead of ourselves, I guess for you, what is Dave, what is like your sort of origin with Dead by Daylight? Did you play it right from launch? Did you come to it a little bit late? I came to it a little bit late. I had a friend who actually kind of was begging to play it they're like you're gonna love this game you know it's a four-on-one survivor with a ton of horror icons that they've implemented as well as originals and i'm like all right you keep you keep keep yanking my chain i'll go ahead and get it and um i did and immediately was just like i just started playing a ton by myself and with friends on and off stream and just having a good time and um it especially became a thing where it was like um as soon as I figured out that I could play just as Freddy all the time as Killer, I just was like, "Yeah, I'm stuck with this." And that's what happened. <laughs> is that like, you know what? Honestly, I think it was is that it's the closest thing since the NES to a Nightmare on Elm Street game yeah. that I can play. <laughs> um, yeah. Which I'm shocked, by the way, that there has not been a proper Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, yeah, game. I mean that, that goes for a few of the licenses in here. Yeah, there yeah. are there's some really good licenses you used to be like shit why has no one done this yeah as a game because I mean, just as a sort of an aside i always dreamed of like a scream game where you were the killers sort of trying to sort of plan out each kill and like that yeah and like that and then this kind of came the closest being that you know even though it's like uh, this whole weird for legal reasons, this ghost face isn't the ghost face you know from the films. It's someone pretending to be a ghost face who knows what the films mm. are. Yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But still, yeah, it's there and it was something. It's, it's ghoul mouth. Was... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's it. Boo mouth is the, the official name now. Yeah, that's the same <laughs> thing where it's like, 
unfortunately, I mean, and you guys know all about the 11 years of, like, BS copyright stuff with yeah. uh, Friday yeah. the 13th. That's why J- Jason will never be in Dead by Daylight, yeah. is because of that. Um, but the rest of them seem fine. I mean, uh, you, you got, you know, you got Michael, you got Leatherface, you got Freddy, and then they also have a lot of interesting original characters, too. Yeah. That they, they've designed, yeah. which are a lot of fun. And they have this, they they mapped out this whole Lord everything when they really didn't need to, you know, which is kind of fun. Where it's like, you know, oh, you could have just convinced me just having this four on one thing with licensed characters, but then you actually take your originals and actually give you some sort of thing to like look into. That's pretty cool. So, well, that's probably the one aspect of this game that's my favorite. Right? Is that I haven't spent a great deal of time with the game, but I have scoured over all of those available characters and just learn their backstories and read through that. And, you know, again, kind of like what you'd said, Dave, they didn't need to do all of that. They didn't have to give these elaborate backstories. They also, when you think about, I suppose, live service games and what content typically looks like, I'm always so impressed the fact that they give each of the categories of the types of content that you would get in a game like Dead by Daylight in that you have a killer, you have a survivor, you have a map, and they're all interconnected with this theme that almost makes it seem like this is like the equivalent of a sequel to a movie, right? The fact that it has this theme that ties everything together and that, you know, from uh, my scouring over the different pages and whatnot, it looks like the same amount of care and handling of both a killer and a survivor yeah. is, very, is, you know, very even, I would say, you know, there's, I'm, and I can't speak to the entirety of what support and, sort of uh, fixes and whatnot have been over the years for this game. But, you know, it seems as if they've found this really cohesive model where they can allow survivor playthroughs to be just as strategic as killer um, strategies and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, seeing that level of care and attention paid to each one of those aspects when they very easily could have just been like, here's a new survivor skin. It plays exactly like all the other ones, but... Furthermore, to show that, you know, there is a great love for the genre, I think it's evident from the fact that, you know, you get those backstories, you get those themes that are interconnected. And in terms of what we were talking about between, um, I suppose, I forget what the terminology was, but it's like the original killers versus the um, the licensed killers. Yeah. Right. I would say sometimes the original killers are far more interesting than a few of the ones that are licensed. Right. You know, yeah. I think that from if I look at something like Michael Myers and then I look over at some of the other killers. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm going to play the twins instead because that seems, granted, it's much more difficult. But at the same time, that's more interesting, I think, mechanically speaking, just because of the complexity yeah. that goes into yeah. that. And that, those are the types of moments. And not that when I've played as that killer, I had any semblance of success because I'm you know, such a newbie at this game. But <laughs> I can see how somebody could you know, really dominate with these abilities and through playing that, even at a novice level like myself, it's the type of thing where I can envision and then, you know, you go online and watch highlights and stuff. But uh, you just get to see the amount of depth that's behind a majority of the killers. Um, and I would assume from the survivors, though I've spent much less time with survivors. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a thing where they did enough of their homework in order to make both aspects interesting. Uh, because I have people who have played with both they like to play with both the original characters that are just like have really really cool designs everything from like 
you know, ghost ones to beasts to ones that kind of reminiscent of licensed characters for the do their own thing. And then I have a friend who all she plays as is, you know, the jigsaw pig. And it, yeah, so it, it really, really depends. They're also the survivors are a lot of fun too, because they have like, like the same thing, all the ones that they've built up as like in the universe for these individual original slashers. But then they also bring in, you know, they bring in Ash Williams and like, 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 TV show Ash Williams that I play as when I Survivor when I have him in a little Christmas sweater with the hand puppet, <laughs> um, and they have, they have like Bill from Left for, Left for Dead Two. They have like Steve from Stranger Things. Like, it, it's fun. It, it feels like this thing where like they're having a really good time with this because they know that people, uh, you know what what they want with it. And, like, they keep them on their toes enough that every once in a while adding in somebody special like that will make it exciting again. Because, you know, the gameplay is a lot of fun, but, like, you know, it's the kind of thing where you definitely have to add in new stuff every once in a while to keep it fresh. Yeah. I mean, they are basically, like, you know, secret updates in themselves, each character. Because they bring something new to the game. And because you can, like, share certain abilities between different uh, characters as you level up. You know, you can sort of add things to your game, you know, even for an established character you've used for years. You know, it's like suddenly there's an ability that you could level up to that you're like, oh, this might help more in something I didn't have before. And it's, you know, I think um, only recently, like on the Survivor side, when they were sort of detailing the Nicolas Cage stuff, yeah, you know, it's like, so, you know, the fact that you can literally just turn around and scream at the killer. You know, uh. that's, that's a, I, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is so timely for this too. Yeah. Mm. I, I remember I was watching that little uh, Jeff Keighley conference the other day. Yeah. And when he was just like, Nicolas Cage, and I'm just like, I, I can't tell if you're if you're messing with me or not, Jeff, but this is a bit hilarious. Just to put him as himself in the game as a survivor is hilarious. Yeah. Like just, the fact that he's so committed to the idea as well. Just like Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, do we need your voice? Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right then. Yeah, no I'll do it all. I'll do everything. Like that. It's like It could have been really cool also, like, cause, cause I I think it's funnier that he's just Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage. Yes. But if they had done like almost his character from Mandy or something too, that could have yes. been really rad. <laughs> Been I mean, life. I imagine there'll be like skins for him. It will be yeah. kind of like sort of based on things. And, and uh, but I need to be able to use that axe then, if that's dude. That it. thing is so <laughs> rad. Like, like that, 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 or that the bow. That thing is just straight up a video game weapon in that movie, yeah. anyway. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm sure one of the killers will get that as a skin for sure. their weapon. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, this sort of leads me into my next question, which is, you know, we've mentioned. A good amount of, uh, or we've referenced, you know, horror films and our love of horror films. If you guys could see either a survivor or a killer from a horror film added to Dead by Daylight, do you guys have sort of that wish list in the back of your minds? I'm so Ooh. glad you asked because I have one that I've advocated for a ton on social media. I would love Candyman. Yeah. Mm. That yeah. seems like a no-brainer. Especially because Tony Todd is coming to voice Venom in Sp- the new Spider-Man game, so he's still voice acting. You could bring mm-hmm. him back and do uh, do him. And then also, that's my serious one. My, uh, you know, my giggle, goofy one. 
I want Chucky in there to just go so you can run around and you just knife people in the kneecaps and okay, run around the, the, the map. Odd, the odd job of day, <laughs> Dead by Daylight. Yeah, that would be brilliant. <laughs> I would just love the name that they would have to give him instead of Chucky for whatever licensing issues they'd run into. Oh, just like God, it'd be like, pint-sized slasher or something like that. This, yeah. Oh, it's like You know what it is? It's like the same thing. You know when you go to Spirit Halloween and the wigs are always like, it's like 80s rocker when it's supposed yeah. to be like Tyler Perry or yeah. celebrity <laughs> chef when it's Guy Fieri. It's like that. Yeah. Oh, man. What about like, for you, Neil? Um, I suppose the one that always strikes me is the Terminator would be fun. You know? That would be rad. Yeah. yeah. And variants thereon yeah, with that is, yeah, I mean, just bringing guns into the mix would be fun <laughs> but uh, just, uh, it's been done before right they've yeah. had they've had a couple of killers that have guns but yeah uh, it, but they, they use them in a way that is very dead by daylight and I, yes. I think yeah. maybe if you could shift that gameplay just ever so slightly to be like well you know killers don't just use these x amount of weapons like that i thought you know mm. when they did um onrio with the ring yeah, that was no one yeah. where they literally just fucking here's curse signs killing you sort of thing <laughs> they, i i yeah. Yeah. They recently brought in Wesker, and he is yeah. just oh, ridiculously yeah. overpowered yeah. as a killer. <laughs> that that, so. that is a good idea. That, that's all. Um, in stupid terms, um, Christ, there, there could be so many. Uh, I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I kind of like the idea of the Invisible Man, uh, like the OG one. Just, that could uh, be fun. Yeah, it could work. I, I think it's just, it'd be like, how do you make it work? Um, but yeah. I, I always, yeah, as a laugh, thought it'd be fun to have like a, a multi sort of enemy thing, like a swarm thing. So, yeah, one of those B movie swarm style movies, or even like the birds from the birds. Like, 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 like the ghoulies. Yeah, well, oh, fuck or yeah, like, the ghoulies <laughs> would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Popping out of toilets and jumping on people. That would just be like full circle for me yeah, as a horror a fan, because, you know, that's one of the things that birthed my love of horror and just to have them in the game, you know, and it would be amazing um, you know Neil, you brought you brought up something that i think when you said the invisible man yeah it would be really fun if they did like a one-off sort of like universal monsters kind of thing mm. yeah i mean or, that seems like especially you know when we'll talk about it later but you know with the fact they're going to do the bloom house stuff with an adaptation, yeah yeah it's there surely on the table it's like hey you guys have got access to this universal stuff go on yeah, give us give us yeah, give us a go. Come at on. That. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you could do the it follows sort of entity, but you know, Ooh. then you have to sort of say that everyone's had sex with each other in this in the uh, <laughs> game. So <laughs> that's a whole other whole other thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about uh, but, you, Jay? Yeah, yeah, Jay. What for do you me, think? for me, it would probably be Chrome Skull, who's from this super low budget slasher called Laid to Rest, where they made two of those but he's like this killer basically that has a chrome mask chrome skull mask that he wears oh, yeah. um, that's like glued to it, surgically implanted into his face or something and then he's got this little camcorder on his shoulder where he records all of his murders and stuff and it's like he's such an iconic looking killer that i don't know why that film series didn't continue or didn't get picked up and you know with a bigger budget or anything like that but that was one of those super low budget slashers that was from i think the early 2000s probably like 2005 or 6 or something that had an iconic looking killer but didn't necessarily get the wherewithal to become this sort of iconic killer if you will yeah um, so that's always been something where i was like i feel like 
if they're going to be doing all this scouting for iconic killers and things like that, like look at some of the more low budget killers that at least have a unique look. And then the licensing can't be that complicated considering, you know, these are in some cases 15 year old films or something that I think even the original creator is not even around anymore. So Mm. it's the type of thing where it's like you could swoop up a whole plethora of these IPs and then play around with their individualistic uh, sort of properties or tendencies, if you will. Yeah. I also think that um, that's a really smart way to, if you take some of these um, kind of forgotten, more like indie horror flicks or maybe like underrated ones from the 80s to the 2000s, and if you put their uh, killers or survivors in there, it might draw kind of like a second wind for these overlooked movies as well. Like something like The Burning, right? Yeah. Just get like this crazy iconic killer that, you know, only had the one film, but at the end of the day, that one film, you know, whatever, 40 years ago, means that that's probably an IP that wouldn't be terribly difficult to pick up. Wait, so oh, you're, telling, could, me, you're telling me I could have a Dr. Giggles DLC? <laughs> Dude, that'd be awesome. There you go. See, there you go. That's I'm perfect. Like, now can I change my answer to Rawhead Rex? Oh, there you go. That's <laughs> <laughs> the answers are never-ending. That's, that's the thing, yeah. it, isn't it? I mean, That's the pitfall of that question I posed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you were sort of talking like a gameplay change... You know, like something that really like added something new to what it did. I think, you know, Evil Dead's got its own game, so that, that's been done yeah. and like that. But I think if you did Demons and you did like the Demons from Demons and, you oh, know, every, be, yeah. and every survivor kind of turned once they were hit like that slowly over time and maybe they could cure themselves somehow, I don't know. But, you know, it, goes, it would just be a, a nice twist on what they're doing. I know obviously that would upset the balance of what everything is, but I think maybe Dead by Daylight's next step is to sort of have like different variations of what they do. And yeah, that'd be an interesting way to go about it. Yeah. So that kind of leads me into my next question, which is, you know, for you, Dave, what about Dead by Daylight's gameplay really makes it a unique standout from other asymmetrical multiplayer games? Because, you know, I spent all last week just kind of refamiliarizing myself with the game and whatnot. And I don't necessarily know I'd say it's a criticism, but I had forgotten that there's really just that one mode for gameplay. Mm. Um, so so for you, you know, before we even unpack, you know, what multiplayer gameplay looks like, like for you, what is really the standout of this from other asymmetrical multiplayer games? I, I think one thing that I, I like a lot is that, in you know, in most of these games, uh, there is, of course, the element of like, you know, having to help your teammates up yeah. and everything. Mm. What I do like a lot about this one is sort of the unique, that hook aspect mm. as well, where like not only do you have to help them up, but you got to get them off this hook in this time, and it's already like, you know, injured them in that fashion. Um, and, and that way you can like purposely kind of, as a killer, also spread your victims out across the map. Yeah. And then, so, so like instead of like, you know, if, if you get knocked down, in a, as a survivor in a regular game, you just fall down there and you wait for your team to pick you back up. No, you can, as the killer, move them from that spot to a different part of the map mm. and make it more difficult. And if, if you're good enough, you can spread your survivors all across the map so by that time you're just, you've just wiped the, the place clean. Yeah. I do agree with you, though. One thing, one criticism I have is like you know how kind of repetitive it can be. Unfortunately, and that's why, like I said, you know, they have to throw in these things yeah. every once in a while. Um, but I also think that 
what's a lot of fun about it too is this whole aspect of um I really also like the ability to uh hide and like, you know, hold your breath yeah. and stuff in lockers or you know, whatnot. It's it's a lot of fun that like, cause you want that survival aspect. Absolutely. Um, and I think, I think that's part of it too, is cause like you've got the whole action multiplayer part, but the survival aspect is what I think is most important in it. Mm. So, yeah, you know, I was about 50, 50, I'll say in terms of going for killer over playing as survivor. And I was going for survivor, you know, more than that, um, <laughs> that XP bump that you get if you play a survivor, which kind of tells you how the, the player base is split, I think in terms of what people prefer, but you know, in playing a survivor, it really is the only, I would say, asymmetrical horror game I've played that captures the sort of like movie moment that I think everybody's looking for a little bit, right? There's teamwork, there's strategy, but at the same time, you want a horror experience for multiplayer that does capture some semblance of fear or terror, right? Mm-hmm. And I would say that it would not be in people's best interest to go into a horror multiplayer game expecting to be scared the entire time, right? Because that's a very difficult type of experience to replicate, especially when matches go on for however long they go on for. But I would say that as a survivor in Dead by Daylight, it is the type of game where it's like it captures that moment of, you know, whether it's you're at Camp Crystal Lake or you're, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and you're kind of cowering in the bushes or you're cowering behind trash cans and you see the killer walk off in the distance and you just hope that the next time you leave your cover, they didn't, you know, do a 180 and they immediately see yep. you and then they chase after you. Like, I've had so many little moments like that. And while overall, you know, from a gameplay standpoint, in terms of matches, like, there could be more variety. I haven't experienced that little segment of movie horror magic, if you will, yeah. uh, in another multiplayer yeah. horror game. No, I know exactly what you mean. Like, I've had that time, too, where, like, I know that the uh, the killer's coming around chasing somebody else. And I'll crawl into, like, this locker right there. And then two seconds later, he'll just walk right in front of me. And I'm like, oh, that was... That was like, <laughs> like, 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 you're trying... Yeah, just try not to give yourself away. And it's so much fun. Yeah. You get, you get that nice adrenaline rush. I also think that... Because Dead by Daylight, as I think we were going to get into also, has been a branch for a lot of formula for a lot of, like, horror multiplayer games recently. Yes. And um, it's interesting to see, like, for example, you brought up the Evil Dead game, which mm. I also love. Um, uh, it's interesting to see how, like, they uh, they took elements of stuff from Dead by Daylight, and in that case, I think made it a little bit more action-oriented. Yes. Um, but then you've got stuff coming out, like, we've got the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game and the Killer Clowns from Outer Space game, which is... I'm super excited about, but then they all have that sort of like, you know, survivor versus killer balance. And it's kind of interesting to see that that is sort of like the, uh, the formula that's been taking over recently as far as this genre. Well, I would say that one thing that kind of separates dead by daylight from those games that you just gave an example of is that dead by daylight seems to be a lot more simplified in the mechanics which makes it very, well, I suppose there's two parts to that, right? From jumping right into it, you know, use me as an example, like as a newbie, had no recollection of how to play this game. It's easy to get into playing because the mechanics are so simple. It's like use, you know, the mouse, the action button, and you know the mechanics of like following the blood trail and then, you know, paying attention to the main objectives. But 
the complexity comes from each of the characters and the str strategy and the upgrading and everything like that. So it's not necessarily a surprise that this is kind of the top dog, if you will, of asymmetrical or multiplayer games because it's so easy fundamentally to get into. But then, you know, I think it's more about sort of retaining the player base around people that are willing to dive into those characters, learn their strategies and whatnot. Whereas some of those games, like we've covered the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, beta that they had or the technical test. And, yeah, yeah. you know, while I was, we were super big fan of that, right. And nailing the IP and getting a feeling for those killers and whatnot. At the same time, diving into it, there's a lot more mechanics, right. And just okay. getting a, a handling on how it plays, how it controls the differences and all these things. It takes a few more matches to really, even after a tutorial that was very thorough. And I don't think it's necessarily the game's fault that it's like, Oh, it didn't explain it well enough, but it's just, there's a level of depth that requires a higher sort of entry point, I think, in terms of, you know, gamer IQ, if you will, <laughs> you know, yeah, sure. not to give things labels, but it's like <laughs> with something like Dead by Daylight, I can sit down and within 10 minutes, I, in big air quotes, know how to play this game. But then it's the subsequent 50, 100, 200 hours yeah. where the real skill and complexity come in and mastering different killers with different tiers of difficulty. No, I was going to say, it's the Call of Duty thing, isn't it? It's like it's something everyone can understand and then it has smaller layers underneath that you get to know the more hours you put in and they, those layers aren't relevant when you first start but the more you play the more you understand them you know and you know i think dead by daylight is a great example of a live service game sort of audience where you do get a very uh passionate if you, you will say uh part of the audience that will bitch and moan about every tiny little change to the game you know, I was like, oh, they've, they've nerfed this, they fucked this up, oh, like, terrible, like that. <laughs> and most of the audience don't give a shit, you know, like, but... Right. You know, that, but it just shows you can appreciate something so simple on so many levels, like that. Sorry, Dave, you go. No, I, uh, I totally agree, because, um, and it's like I said, going back to the whole aspect of having to feel like you get to keep things fresh in that way. Yeah. But it's also because, like, I had not, I've, I've wanted to, but I haven't gotten to yet, play the the Texas Chainsaw beta. And uh, now that you're saying that, I'm actually excited to hear that it is a bit systematically different. That's exciting mm. to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the balance there being that you are both teams with, with a slight imbalance yeah. makes it an interesting get-up. I mean, you know, given they made the Friday the 13th game, that, yeah, that mm -hmm. was one of the most interesting but unfortunate sort of um, games out there because of that whole license dispute that basically killed, killed that game stone dead you know, when they could do no more with it. Um, yeah. It, it was great that they, they're now getting a second shot with another IP and really just capturing the idea of it. And, you know, I think that's what you want to be when you're going for a, you know, a game following this sort of template formula. You want mm. to show how you are distinct. You know, because there are some that do just copy it one for one. You are one killer for people, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's great and all, but you've got to really differentiate yourself. You know, you look at how many games still are trying to emulate Left for Dead to this day. Oh, yeah. And failing no matter how good they are, because there's something about Left for Dead that is Left for Dead and you just can't do it. And Dead by Daylight has a bit of that, but I think it's given everyone else enough that they can sort of branch off and do their own thing. And 
I think at least here you are getting more examples of people and developers just going, yeah, no, we can take this in a different direction. I mean, the Evil Dead game is a great example. So I think they really just sort of looked at it and said, you know what, we'll do this a different way. We'll, we'll do this a way that makes sense. Ironically, coming from a developer that did one of the best Left for Dead sort of successes, if you will, in World War Z, goes and makes a Dead by Daylight clone to a degree mm-hmm. that is successful because they take that template and go, oh, no, we'll do it this way. We'll, we'll make it suit what we are doing and we will make the focal point of that, that, you know, that, that is, it will show why we are the better uh, alternative to everything else out there. You know, and that's what you've got to do. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, that's the type of thing also where it's like Dead by Daylight went the route where they began original and then the licensed content came to it. Whereas the other way around, and it's the more difficult route, mm. right? It's the more difficult route where it's like, well, we're going to use this really famous IP that's beloved by genre heads and whatnot. But, you know, if you present something that either plays like another asymmetrical experience, but it just has this new coat of paint or this coat of paint you like more. And that's kind of the, I suppose, an oversimplification of the conversations that surround a lot of asymmetrical multiplayer games in the horror space, right? It's like, oh, I'm sure some people were saying around the release of um, the Friday 13th game, they're like, oh, it's like this experience, but you get to play as Jason, right? So that's definitely the more difficult route. But I think that with more recent things like the Evil Dead game, that shows that like, oh no, this can be done in a way that is unique to the IP itself. And it's like extracting more from sort of the DNA of an IP that you're utilizing into the gameplay mechanics rather than, again, just the sort of new fresh coat of paint, if you will, for a couple of months before the next one comes out. Um, But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'd love to dive a little bit more into the survivor experience, the killer experience. And I'm sure that we will dive into a few anecdotes of our own along the way of either killing or being killed. And we are back from our break chatting dead by daylight. And Neil, for you, which do you prefer survivor or killer? Oh, killer. Every day. It's like I play enough games or I'm surviving. It's like... Um, I go back to to what I was saying about you know having the perfect scream game and being one where you are the killer and trying to sort of work your way around in the background and while it does a bit of that what it does better is be the perfect Halloween game you know when Michael Myers was added that was really when this game got me on the hook so no pun intended but (laughs) it was there yeah I had it yeah it had the music it had the the whole stalking and just watching people from afar and like just toying with them if you will and then just showing up over here or there and like getting them and it was the first time I really connected with what the game was doing and from there it was like yeah killers all the way absolutely because they're more interesting you know they had these cool abilities and I've watched with great fascination the way people learn the way survivors can do things and game the system, if you will, like that. And I love to sort of try to circumvent them because they have the advantage in so many ways without having weapons and combat and all that. They still have numbers and communication. And you can really tell when a team doesn't have communication because you will have that hot shot who's played six billion hours and they'll go off and do their own thing and they'll be the ones you know 
trolling you as you're trying to pick people up with the flashlight and whatever. But you get wise to it. And you're like, well, no, I, if I take you down and you, know, you won't hook them, you'll just slash them. And the rest of them will be meat for you after that because if they're on the floor crawling around for a bit, the rest of them will panic and they'll be easy to find. And that tends to be the best way. Oh, it's just so satisfying to actually get the whole lot. You know, to get kill four people off in that mode and stop them. And just, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, the zenith of that is don't let them get a single generator kill every fucker <laughs> done dusted you feel like the killer you are yeah in that sense it is a power trip that i don't think any other game of its type has really captured you know i think the evil dead game captures its own specific sort of you know the mischievous malevolence you know in terms of how you can fuck with people but this i don't know it feels more intimate you know and i like that about it so yeah it's killer is just the way yeah in terms of power trips i mean getting dropped into a lobby as a newbie killer but then having a whole entire team of newbie survivors to just slaughter it's basically the best experience i've had over the course of the last week <laughs> and it's just being repeated where it's like i know this is not necessarily an accurate representation of the dead by daylight experience but i'm having a fucking ton of fun cutting the heads off of these chickens that just scatter and panic as soon as they see me. Yeah. Um, but for you, Dave, which do you prefer, killer or survivor? Well, you know, it's actually kind of interesting when Neil brought up also the whole generator aspect because that was something we forgot to mention as well when you were asking mm. about interesting mechanics that differentiate the game. But in turn to that, you know, it's actually funny because I kind of actually go back and forth where, like, I would say, like, most of the time... I have more fun being the killer because, I mean, let's face it, who doesn't? Yeah. But there, honestly, like as the more and more I've played the game and the more and more fun it is, especially with playing with the right people, Survivor can be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Especially with that reward of being one of the first people who gets out of there, you know, running by, giving the bird to, you know, Michael Myers as he's coming after <laughs> you. You run out of the gate. Um but uh, it, it really does depend kind of on the situation because, like, you know, most most of the time I'm I'm having a lot of fun, you know, playing as Freddy and setting down little dream snag traps oh, and yeah. clawing people down. Uh, but then it, sometimes if I'm playing with a good group of friends that, like, one, one of my other friends is the killer, it is a lot of fun kind of when, you know, it is a more nuanced killer and you're like, okay, w I, I know my task here. We can beat this guy if we work together, and that 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 part is fun—the whole team uh, part of it. As long yeah. as you are working together, which goes into the generator thing, which we—I'm a silly boy and forgot to uh, mention earlier, but yeah, th that part's interesting because a lot of times, um, you know, your focus is just get the hell out of here, right? You know, with um. If you're trying to escape and this one, no, in order to even think about escaping at all, you have to basically repair your way out, mm. uh, which I think is a lot of uh, a lot of fun with the whole generator aspect um, working together. You can speed it up. You know, if you work with somebody, you can double the speed of it. So, yeah, there yeah. are a lot of fun parts of being the survivor, too. But killer is also, you know, a lot of times the way to go. 
I would almost frame it as like, I would gravitate as much as I prefer killer at the same time, I would gravitate towards playing a killer. If it was, I got an hour before I got to do this or that everybody's at work or busy or something. And I want to play, but I'm not going to just jump in with randoms because I think personally the survivor experience is so, you know, as with most multiplayer games, it's so reliant on having a good team. And when you have a player base as big as dead by daylight, it's the type of thing where it's like, I don't know, maybe 50% of the time I get people that really know what they're doing. And then the rest are kind of like up in the air, maybe don't want to strategize or this and that. And so, you know, I've had experiences as survivor that have gone disastrously when it's, you know, people, basically like me that don't know what they're doing. But when I have a moment to play with people that I'm friends with that know what they're doing, they can coach me a little bit. You do have, again, you know, those little movie magic moments Mm. that you can kind of, you know, you're cowering in the corner and you see the killer run by and you kind of, you know, your hair starts standing on edge. But then as you both have kind of said, the opportunities for teamwork in this, I think is one of the strongest aspects of it. And it's one that I don't necessarily hear the game being praised for all that often because and I think a big part of that has to do with the fact that just because the killer hits you once it doesn't mean you're down and out which a lot of the time you know in thinking about the Friday the 13th game a majority 90% of the time I came in contact with Jason I was dead meat and that was the end of it whereas with something like this there's a lot more opportunities not only for new players to become accustomed to playing because you know it's not that one hit and you're out type of thing but the I, I suppose it's partially that, you know, your teammates can come to your rescue, but also the killer has so many options. Like you said, Dave, he can scatter them around on meat hooks or he can prioritize certain things that the killer's not always going to go for an easy kill because that might not play into their long term strategy right. of, you know, just disabling this generator, which sets them back this amount or laying a trap here for a future victim or prey. And I just find that, you know, while we kind of set our piece a little bit about, you know, there's only really the one game mode. It's not a lot of variation in that. The amount of strategy in one game mode is a lot more, I find, than some other multiplayer horror games I've yeah. played. I think the meta game of, of what you're doing means that the tactics are constantly evolving. And you will know by playing as a certain killer uh, that you will, if survivors are savvy with what that killer does and the tactics you used to beat that killer, that they will use certain tactics you would not see if you were playing with someone else. Uh, and the best thing about that, again, is like if you're aware that they're aware, you can then go and take a different route like that. And I like that. You know, the old chase around the pallet thing is one of the most tried and trusted things, depending on who you are. Yeah, they will try it. Yeah, which is why I love like the huntress, for instance. You know, she has the throwable axes, and the amount of times I've caught people out on that whole dance around a pallet thing, and it's like, nope, fuck off, axe to the head, <laughs> like that, and just take them down. It's I love that dynamic. Playing as Nemesis earlier, oh. I had a guy doing that, and then I just whipped him in the back of the head. Yeah, with the vine or the tentacle, and I was like, "Oh yeah, you're not as fucking smart as you I, thought you were, are you?" I mean, Nemesis <laughs> is like Nemesis was the first character I actually prestiged in the game because I was like, I just really enjoyed. I am shocked. Thing. You went for the. Uh, you know. went for the Resident <laughs> Evil killer. I am shocked. I know, I know, I know. But yeah, you know, it yeah for a killer that is deemed hard to use I, I was actually surprised how it i just clicked with it uh, as a killer and i think having those zombies around the map helps as well and just like stuff like that is really cool i think that's one of the better things they've added with 
the more recent editions, uh, you know, like the Nemesis and the Knight, where you will have like extra characters around the map that will do some damage for you because it acts as a warning system sometimes. Yeah, you, know, you can see them moving towards someone or you can, they will attack someone and it offsets, yeah, whatever the slowness of the character in general. And I don't know, it, ironically, I think the use of Nemesis here is better than, you know, the remake game does for Resident Evil 3, you know, which is, it feels more, you know, it feels really smart to use that character, you know, for all the licensed characters we have, and some are very good stalker characters that really fit this game perfectly. But there's something about Nemesis that just, you know, being a game character anyway, it just works so well for me. And that Tentacle Whip is a great example because, again, like the Huntress's axe, it's just like, yeah, like that. Um, my son is very much like a fan of like using fast killers who can basically close the distance uh, in short order. Uh, the blight being one of his favorites, you know, that comedic sense of the, you know, the blight can just like speed run at people. But yeah, you know, if he hits anything, it's just like a very comedic bonk off that object yeah. before he carries just on going. And yeah, like that. <laughs> and he thought it was laughing at him when he was playing. I was like, no, it's just, it's funny. It's that very scream thing of just like a killer who's clearly, you know, lethal but also kind of incompetent like just get <laughs> bumped like that I, like it just adds something that you don't get with every killer and that and there is there is something about that there's a it shows the personality in each killer that you can have these little moments that you know you know what they will do to combat what you do and you know what you can do to circumvent that and it's an ever evolving game in itself that you can just keep having freshness in a character you've used for hours upon hours. Yeah, I, I would say, like, I'm actually really glad you brought up the differentials in sort of the the way the killers act. Like you said, like, your son who likes, like, fast-paced ones, yeah. and you who likes somebody like Nemesis who's kind of more, you know, slow and bulky, but he uses sort of his minions in that way. Like, the, I, I've, like, played with so many people with different things. Like, I have one friend who is just obsessed with playing uh, Pyramid Head, yeah. who is yes, a very, very, very large character, but the way he can utilize, you know, sort of like the, the barbed wire and stuff as well. Mm. Like I like playing as Freddy because he's, uh, he is a fast paced one, but I love, I love setting up traps yeah. in games like this, and mm. him like it's sort of the same thing with like the Hunters where it's like you can set up basically these dream sort of bear traps and stuff that just snag people. <laughs> And then also confusing them. My my one thing is I just wish they had gotten Robert England. Yeah, but, being that know. Jackie or Haley one is a bit distracting. It, it, no. in <laughs> it goes alongside that ghost phase of being like the, you know, that knockoff one, like that spirit Halloween sort of feel to uh, everything. Yeah, right. But yeah, that that's actually another one of my son's favorites. You know, he's still not watched any. At the Nightmare on Elm Street film. That's his only experience with Freddy, is Ooh. through that game. It is crazy. You know, it's like that. It's If you ever show him one, I would start off with three. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll probably I'll probably do it chronologically, but yeah. It's, okay. But, but yeah, because that's generally what we've done with this. He's at the age where we are just sort of going through, you know, starting each franchise at the first point and going, there you go, that's how this starts, that's how that starts, like that. Yeah, you got to show him the. Uh... 
Ernest Scared Stupid, the greatest movie of all time, in my opinion. No, go there yet. So yeah, that, <laughs> Neil Neil is also such a good horror genre dad that he's already shown his son like Jaws and Alien and Aliens, and I don't know if you guys got to the thing yet, but like Neil's been showing the hits recently. Oh, of course, I've shown um, the thing. The, Christ, yeah. come on, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Halloween things like that. I mean, yeah, his Halloween experience is that you went, he's watched Halloween one, two, nothing else, then. The modern trilogy, and that's it. So he's go. um. What is his uh his has been re- reaction mostly been enjoyment, confusion? Like oh. is he scared or is it kind of all over the place? No, you know, generally I think he loves everything. I mean, I got to, he wanted to watch Terrifier two recently too. Really? Yeah, and <laughs> wow. I, I was I was okay. skeptical because I thought, well, that's pretty extreme. But then I thought about it, I was thinking, yeah, but there's a slapstick nature to it, so maybe he'll it, appreciate it. it. And he like- did. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, Evil Dead 2, which is actually yeah. my favorite movie of all time, genuinely. But, like, uh, he's watched it's, that too, so, so. <laughs> it's so ridiculous that it has the comedic effect to it. Yeah, that's know? it. So. I think that's that's the best thing. Um, when you... Even if it put him off mashed potatoes for life. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, he was really excited by that. The one told him the sequels in development. He's like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. He kind of hopes that he'd be old enough to see it. I was like, well, probably not, but you know, it's like at that point. But, um, but yeah, it it's great that he's into that stuff. I think the most funny thing about that, I know we've gone on a whole aside here, but is that the only time I've actually seen him recently be revolted by a moment was when mm. I was rewatching um, the Night Comes for Us, the sort of the kung fu bloody thick that it is. Uh, you know that scene, Jay, at the end where he's got the stand, you know, the um, exacto knife thing into the cheek like that, and that freaked him oh, out. He, he did not that like that. Freaks me out. I've seen that movie six or seven times. It still fucks me. I, I think yeah. it's just because Joe Tassin just like there, just with that smile on his face, and he's like, "Get yeah, go on, fucking do it like that," and yeah. just like that, and it's like that was mad. Yeah, I just, but yeah, you know, it goes back to that whole thing, doesn't it? About what what irks you, you know. Um, for hit my son, it's like ghost stories. He, he, the conjuring was worse than any of the other films we just mentioned for him, mm. because yeah, ghost stories feel a bit more unknown and unreal, you know. To him, for, so, for, but, for me, that big trigger thing is always been stuff with eyes, mm. and you know, as much as like I love Sam Raimi and I love and I love Italian Jallo films. Oh, they always want to poke your damn eye out, and it always makes me <laughs> like. Yeah. They, that and um, you know Romero's fascination with tearing uh, stomachs. Uh, yeah, the, those, those yeah. Two oh, that, that day, are... that Day of the Dead uh, yeah. ending is so awesome, but so brutal. Yeah, when, you, it, when you're just being torn apart, it just literally just in my stomach every time I watch that bit. It just makes me oh no shit, no, I don't like that. It's like uh, it was just crazy. Yeah, again, because there's so much that just passes me by, and I'm like, yeah, it's fine. And it, it is yeah, one of those things that happens. Look at us going on a great aside there. That, that was a... We are known for our horror tangents. It's uh, <laughs> proof positive of our love of both mediums of horror. But yes, no, I think that it's perfect. You know, it's barely a tangent because when you think about it, it's like you're talking about a game that has blended its own identity with pre-existing identities of those IPs that they kind of like bring into the fold. And, you know, I'm not an expert on the game, but they more or less have that merger be pretty seamless i think in a lot yeah. of ways because you know from the licensed killers that i've played i wouldn't say that and it's a testament to you know their commitment and general love of horror that they don't really necessarily like 
pervert, I suppose, the idea or the identity of these characters, yeah. you know, for the most part. Yeah. Like, granted, something like Pyramid Head's inclusion, you might say from a narrative standpoint, this doesn't make sense. But it's mm. like the general presentation and the abilities that they have in the game seem perfectly in line with the figure that is yeah. as known as they Pyramid make, Head type of thing. They, like, I compare it when you're sort of talking like license just being dumped into a, a, a life service game. Fortnite's a great example of like why, you know, where you can say mm-hmm. it gets to the point of like, yeah, all these characters are here. Why are they here? They just are. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, at least Dead by Daylight tries to sort of explain. Why is Mr. Beast fighting Optimus Prime? It's like, you yeah, don't really yeah. think it's about like... it. Like, <laughs> there's surely <laughs> a reason for this. What's the yeah. justification? <laughs> why is Sarah Connor teaming up with the Terminator that tried to kill her? It's, yeah, it, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So like that. It's. It, it's fun, but you know, it is like surface level stuff. Here, it, you know, they do try to bring some sort of reasoning. I mean, you know, I ragged on the whole ghost face thing, you know, like and making it like a, it's not the official. You know, it's that Austin Powers gold member scene with Godzilla, where like it's like, oh, run, it looks like <laughs> Godzilla. It's like, but it is not it's due to international copyright law. I love when he wakes and he goes, but it isn't. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. I like that. It is that in game form. But at the same time, it's like, at least they're explaining it. Yeah, you know, like that, why it doesn't look like that ghost face. And like, that's you know, kept it in the game longer than, say, like the Stranger Things thing, where they kept it, you know, they shoved that out of the game very quickly. Ironically, you know, when we talk about what well, my son got into this game, well, that was it. Again, something he's never seen, but the Demogorgon character, yeah, you know, he'd seen like in online stuff and he was like really fascinated by it. And that was like kind of like his gateway into all of the things we've watched since. You know? And it was because of that game. He was like, oh, yeah, this is really interesting. I like the look of that character sort of thing. And like, we still haven't watched Stranger Things with him. So, yeah, you know, but yeah, you know, at least he's gained a lot out of it. So, Stranger Things, I think, when you do get around, is a great gateway oh, you know, for yeah. some for 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 that too. So, when you do get around to it, but go ahead, Jay. Sorry. Oh no, I was just going to say, you know, given the nature of a lot of live service games, right, and you see the DLC that comes out a lot of the time, and sort of the gimmicky marketing justification for including a lot of it, and a lot of it is just sort of these aesthetic touches, if you will, or additions. How easy would it have been though for Dead by Daylight to really? ride that sort of I suppose mantra if you will of DLC with licensed material but instead of just you know applying a beloved iconic killer's skin if you will to a pre-existing character they allowed those characters to be their own entities that are just as viable strategically in you know many different ways I'm sure but it's more importantly just like they give a level of depth to everything that's added and it kind of, and I'm sure that there's plenty of cosmetic shit that you can buy that I'm not aware of and whatnot in the store. But oh, overall, yeah. you know, when you think about including characters from little loved IPs and, you know, Neil, you mentioned Fortnite, it's like, yeah, majority of the time it's a skin at the end yeah. of the day, but it doesn't fundamentally change things. So to have a game that's consistently adding characters over the course of its life and, you know, for the foreseeable future, but each edition is adding a new facet to gameplay, like, I don't feel that you see that level of commitment a great deal of the time, specifically if you're talking about asymmetrical horror multiplayer. Mm, yeah, it really does add something in that regard. And yeah, and not not what Fortnite does because I'm. It makes sense for that. Yeah, and, and I've absolutely bought many of those skins. You know, like that. You know, I have Ellen Ripley. I have 
Sarah Connor. I have the Terminator. I have the Alien. I have all of those you know, other little things, the Marvel skins, whatever they are. Uh, because for a time, that was what I was quite interested in playing the game. And to have the skins of the characters I liked was great. You know, like that. But yeah, they don't add much nourishment to what you're doing. Um Whereas, novelty yeah, novelty yeah, over yeah, nourishment yeah, this is it, <laughs> oh yeah. straight up like dude I had never played Fortnite the only reason I had downloaded it and started playing it was because my friend showed me the Green Goblin skin yeah and I was <laughs> like know? this this is the coolest looking Green Goblin design I've ever seen it's in this kids game oh dang it now I gotta get it like <laughs> yep Dave you mentioned like Stranger Things being a good gateway to horror and something that I that we've talked about a lot is like how Fortnite has become this sort of whether it's intentional or not, like this gateway into horror for kids, right? The fact yeah. that you could play Fortnite as a kid and then see a fucking xenomorph or a predator coming at you or the Terminator, like that's so crazy to me. And you yeah. know, as somebody that in my professional life like works with uh, kids that clearly have not like of an age that have no idea what these films are, like periodically over the years have had kids ask me like, what, like, have you ever seen this movie, The Terminator? And just like give them a side eyes <laughs> way like, oh, fuck, they found the podcast. But it's, like, but it's like it's because of Fortnite or something yeah. like that. You know, sometimes it's the Netflix top 10 or whatever. But um, it is the type of thing where it's like it's crazy to me that this game that began as a wave based shooter that became this multiplayer phenomenon is now this sort of like IP gateway for things that, you know, have been. Uh, you know, terminated for 40 years or something like that. Yeah. No, that, and that's so cool to me because, like, if yeah. people were to see, you know, any of those characters in there and ask, hey, what's this from? I want to learn more about this. And then they yeah. do their own research or they ask their friends or their parents. And that's that's really cool to me because, like, I personally love, and I, I know you guys do just by doing this podcast, you do as well, love educating people on these little niche things that we love yeah. because yeah. just, there's just something so fun about sharing knowledge like this of even though, you know, in the grand scheme of, you know, this big blue rock, uh, you know, all the little minute horror knowledge doesn't matter too much. But to us, it's kind of our way of connecting with other people and like, you know, sort of that education yeah. uh, as well. Like, not only does it make you feel good, but it like, oh, it, 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 like it gives people more insight into stuff like this and. Fortnite doing stuff like that, or day by daylight adding all these characters too, because that's another good example. Like with the Fortnite thing, a lot of when Dead by Daylight first came out, you know, the younger audience, they have all these original characters, but then they start putting in these IP characters and like, whoa, this guy looks really cool. Like, what is he from? And then they'll go and check it out and maybe ask their parents and they'll watch the movie together and bond over that. And I think that's the coolest thing. Yeah, it's so. a brilliant hook. Yeah, yeah, I mean, ironically, I think... Pun intended. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> yeah, it's got twice, Christ. Oh, um, my God. we got to do three by the end. <laughs> yeah, it will come up. I guarantee it will come up at least once more. Uh, yeah, thinking again, just like the games that do this and do it badly, maybe. Um, Call of Duty is an interesting one because they've had Leatherface, they've had Ghostface, um, you know, who have very distinctive weapons, you know, in a game that is all about guns. You know, it just, yeah. it is odd. You know, they also have footballers like Lionel Messi and that, uh, you know, wielding guns, which I don't Are you ever, serious? Yeah. Lionel Messi's it? Absolutely. 
100%. He <laughs> and Neymar Jr. are in the game as fucking characters. And this is what I mean. Yeah, alongside fucking John McClane and Rambo. Yeah, it's like... It's like <laughs> imagine a team of Lionel Messi and Rambo. It, it's there. You can do that in that game. Well, Neil, just imagine like a xenomorph doing the, the L on the forehead dance over Lionel <laughs> Messi's course. <laughs> in game. But... Uh, that's cr- I mean, in that way, Fortnite has kind of become like the movie store for a generation that doesn't have movie stores anymore, where it's yeah. just like you see these yeah. crazy IPs and stuff, well, and no. it's like all of a sudden it generates that interest. Yeah, is it actually, I suppose it's almost more like the movie magazine, you know, in the sense of where you get like a glimpse at what this thing is, you know, like sure, oh, yeah. In, yeah, in a random place you don't expect it, you know. Like, I remember that about a lot of horror films. I remember reading this magazine about like the hundred grossest moments in cinema mm-hmm. or whatever it was like that. Oh, sure. Really fr- yeah. Like, oh yeah, it's like here's the Bravo bit. top hundred scariest moments. Yeah, you'd be like, and you'd look for the thing, and it'd be like, oh, here's that scene from Monty Python, The Meaning of Life, and here's that mm. scene from Society, and like that. And you're like, oh wow, I've got to see this. I've got to see. Oh this. Oh my god, like seeing that. that Society stuff, the shunting out of context. That's, yeah. <laughs> like, thank God they brought Fangoria back for stuff like this too. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Like. I, I, that's that's not in Fortnite. That, that's for sure. That's no, like, I was going to ask actually that's next Neil, month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Neil, I was actually going to ask like because you brought up a good point with like kind of how out of place it does feel with something like Call of Duty. How do you guys feel about like when they put like horror characters into like fighting games like Mortal Kombat and stuff? Like, I mean, like you remember how they have they've had like yeah. Freddy Mortal and Kombat? Fan? Yeah, had a whole like monster DLC where it was the Xenomorph, the Predator, Leatherface, Jason, mm-hmm. and. I'm probably forgetting some. Maybe Freddy even. Yeah, I think Freddy was nine in nine, wasn't he? And um, yeah, nine or- had that. Yeah, and then you know, like in the most recently had uh, again Rambo and Robocop and Terminator and stuff like that. And yeah, it kind of works with Mortal Kombat just because of how it yeah. doesn't shy away from like just fucking up people in horrible bloody I mean, ways. The vi- and, yeah, the, the yeah, violence so too. In that game, it, it makes sense. You know, like that. It's when you take it anywhere where it's a bit more tame that you're like, uh, you know, what are you doing here? But I, I don't think that yeah. really happens that often. So, Mortal Kombat makes sense. I think and, it's more believable that, like, to see Leatherface fighting, like, Scorpion one-on-one than to see him in a war zone surrounded yeah. by, like, AKs <laughs> and you're like, yeah, yeah your chainsaw's gonna do real good here, buddy. Like... <laughs> <laughs> but that's the difference i think between like novelty and the sort of like nurturing nature of dlc yeah. right is the fact that it's like when it's in call of duty it's more or less a novelty right but right. outside of getting to see leatherface or ghostface run at you with like a saw machine gun or have like this one little unique animate killed death animation but then when you have something like a fighting game where you know you have a character that has moves that are more, more or less indicative of their personality or their on-screen skill set and then when you get to the fatalities it's like those creators that when they have that m rating are going to run fucking buck wild with it so like those are the types of dlc that i love to see because it's like oh these are people that you know are adapting this in a way that's unique to the character might take some liberties but at the end of the day it's like it's fucking mortal Kombat. like they take crazy (laughs) liberties with everything um so yeah like i'm not opposed to anything like that and that's the kind of dlc that a movie nerd like myself uh, would definitely eat up over again, like Call of Duty, where it's like this doesn't fundamentally alter the experience necessarily in a meaningful way. 
Um, though, if people want to run around with a ghost face mask and kill people, that's or saw a mask, that's totally cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, that becomes the very definition of just being a, a skin, you know, right. ra- rather than having you know a character. Yeah, you know, which you know, that there is a change in definition. Dead by Daylight does characters. Call of Duty or Fortnite is doing skins. That's it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it doesn't matter that character doesn't use guns or has never used guns or the idea of using guns is disgusting and weird for that character. Yeah, they'll do it. Whatever. The mechanic doesn't change, whoever it is. But when you yeah. play Dead by Daylight, it's obvious the developers, yeah. both for their own creations and their IPs, they're fans. And so, like, like you brought up playing as Michael Myers, like the fact yeah. that you can slow down his breathing when he stalks people is like that's super in character, and only yeah. a fan would know that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. And if you have that perk where you can basically be like invisible while you stand still for a yeah. bit, like that, it just adds an extra layer to it, and just yeah. It, in so many ways, it ends up being a perfect simulator of that character in that moment. Yeah. And it works for so many of those licensed characters. I think that's probably where the game succeeds more is in that sort of um, killer side. Because to survive a killer is a bit more generic than to be the killer, I suppose. And you know, the, so it's, to get them right is actually more of an achievement than just yeah. being like... Because a lot of surviving kind of depends on your own sort of like movement actions and whatever. But, you know, so you can be Laurie Strode, but you don't, you're not going to play like Laurie Strode. Right. Like that's like, you you can be Steve Harrington, (laughs) but you haven't got a baseball bat. So most of what you are is redundant. So, and and you can get kicked to shit, but you you will die this time. So it's just the way it works. But I think, doesn't mean anything bad it just means i think the game is more fortnite like on the, the survivor side as a result it's like each one nice i see what you're saying players. yeah they're they're interchangeable there because yeah if you're playing as leon kennedy you don't get your raccoon city loadout you, yeah. you're just there by yourself yeah with nothing That's at it. the same time you know at least they have made the effort to develop a perk or a trait for that specific survivor yeah. that is somewhat emblematic of them and their mm. identity. But I, I, I 100% agree with what you've said in terms of like the killer aspect of it plays more uniquely, whereas the survivor, it's like, I mean, you're still going to be hiding in, in cupboards and hiding behind boulders and shit or fixing generators the same. Um, but, you know, we've been talking about adapting movies into games, but we know that in the near future that they are going to be adapting Dead by Daylight to the silver screen. Mm. And I believe it's Blumhouse and Atomic, Atomic Movie Production. Which I think Atomic Monster. Was, yeah, I mean, they're the same thing now, yeah. I think, as well. Because they've merged. Mm. So there you go. There you go. So, yeah. A frightening prospect, if you will. I guess, yeah. so Dave, as you brought this game to us to chat about today, like, what would you want to see from a film adaptation? Because, you know, at the prospect of hearing about a Dead by Daylight movie, I'm kind of like, what the fuck would that even look like? So, like, for you as being somebody that is the bigger of the bigger fan, and then three of us, uh, what do you feel about that? That that's that is a fascinating thing because, like, because like like I said, Dead by Daylight does have its individual lore that they've set up. Mm. Like, mm. it is it would be interesting if they followed along things like, you know, once your killer hooks and sacrifices your character, you know, like sort of these you know, omnipotent spider gods or whatever that swallow yeah. you whole. Like, what the hell is that about? You know, like, that's that, that's like some interesting thing right there. Like, 
kind of goes like that whole cabin in the woods sort of ending like lore where you're like i want to yeah but like like you have that whole aspect of it and then it could be interesting if they did a thing where maybe they have their like in-game built survivors and you know maybe it's this sort of thing where like they're stuck in this you know multi-tiered original sort of monster kind of thing and yeah, my, my only worry with something like this, because this is a game that has so many different characters from... You have your original stuff and then multitudes of IPs. I'm also kind of personally sick of, like, multiverse stuff. I mean, I mean, listen, Everything Everywhere All At Once was my favorite movie of last year. I, I fucking love the Spider-Verse movies, but I'm like, I'm done. After all this, yeah, <laughs> you're not the only one. Yeah, I, you know, I think that given the logistical nightmare that is utilizing all these IPs, I think they're going to focus on the original, uh, the original killers that are there. And I, and I don't necessarily think that this is what they should do, but I would almost bet that they are going to try to do something where it's like, oh, the entity chooses these survivors to go through these trials, and then it's kind of set up in stages where it's like. You go through these four, if they go through these four stages, they have to go through four different locations that they're trapped in that are yeah. unique to the four original or five original killers. And it's a little more formulaic. So they have the groundwork or the foundation for this universe, yeah, yeah, which just, then they can go on to then maybe get into some fucking weird multiverse shit if the licensing works well, out. Well, I mean, they've got Michael Myers, the Blue Mouse. So, well, sure. So yeah. Yeah, it, it's not 100% off the table. And, you know, with the right. connections they've got, and if James Wan, as they say, is getting more involved in the gaming adaptation side of things, I'd mm-hmm. imagine that we will probably see the odd uh, thing come into this. You know, there's a few, there's a few franchises here that could fit within what they can offer. You know, so it, I, ju- do I just think we need a Nicolas Cage cameo. Uh, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit about what the rest <laughs> of the movie entails. But getting a Nicolas Cage cameo where he screams in the face of a killer and it stuns them or something, I could get on board with that. Now, I'll say this. If you could give me Nicolas Cage and Bruce Campbell in the same movie, I mean, you could... You could you, it could be the worst thing ever and I'd mm. see it. No. So, um... No, but... I'm also trying to, as a screenwriter, I'm trying to think of, like, what is the most, like, like, what is, like, the good idea to have? And then what is what they'll probably actually do? And I'm, like, part of me thinks, like, what like what they'll actually do is, like you said, set up with the sort of, like, basic survivor characters they have, give them their backstories, and then it'll be this thing where they encounter, like, a few of these, like, the, the original monsters, like the Huntress and everything. And then at the very end, it'll be like a teaser where, like, yeah. like one of the characters is still alive. And then somehow it's, like, in the corner, oh, look, Michael Myers is staring at them. And then it cuts to black. Like, I'm just thinking, like, what, what, is, what, is, what is the way that they're probably going to do it? Like, <laughs> um... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Michael Myers stabs a kitchen table with a kitchen knife and then it cuts to black. <laughs> Well, the the other side of it, I think, is you look at it from a how can we make this into a multi franchise project? You have all these in, you know original killers with no frame of reference outside this game yeah. that could potentially star in their own franchises. 
like that and you could be, yeah, with having those original killers up front you could then go and build off and they now we're going to do a film off this one and do a film they could you know as much as it makes me a little sick in my mouth they could start their own dark universe, universe too it, you know and have like you know, all these different killers branch out into their own world yeah yeah the welcome to the new dark universe it would be there and at yeah. least it would be a bit more of an unknown and yeah, I know. I know most of these killers are based on something, but who cares? Yeah, it's like people like that, and people want something that feels kind of familiar, and maybe a little bit different. And that would be the perfect sort of remedy. I think of most of those original killers, and they all have something that I yeah. kind of like to see the backstory that got them to this point. You know, I like to see where the blight story comes in, or, or the priestess, or anything like that, and just get into that and. It's all there. You make one successful movie that's all that. Great. I mean, the alternative is they go the other way around and do it like one on this one, one on that one, and then bring them all together for this fucking movie. That would be stupid, I might add. Yeah, right. Start the way the game starts and then branch out, I think, is the best way if you're going to do anything. My biggest fear would be that they would try to get through all of the original killers in one film, which, you know, granted, seeing how some horror films handle their yeah. antagonist, it's like you could barely handle one or two sometimes in a 90 minute film. It's like if you're going to have this backing with arguably the biggest horror multiplayer game of all time, it's like you need to pace yourselves. And I yeah. just hope that they have the wherewithal to do that. But they- so that way they can give those characters the proper screen time the proper fleshing out understand why in some cases it might be a tragic sort of root or foundation for this character that became this monster that type of thing giving them a little more credence and just like oh they're notable because they look fucked up which you know they do but yeah learning a little bit more about them i think is always the way to go in those terms yeah because the more and more (laughs) the more and more i think about it like honestly narratively trying to make something like this work is it would probably have to be, and, and I'm not completely with you, Jay, where it's like using up all of your original killer characters in one movie would be kind of a ridiculous idea. But the more and more I think of how to make this work, it would have to be some kind of combination of like, like, like Mad Max and like Cabin in the Woods a little bit, where it would have to be this sort of thing where like these survive, original survivor characters are being, like, tormented by, like, some higher evil power, if it's some kind of cult or more mad mastermind, and it keeps throwing them in these arenas with these different killer characters, and they have to get their way out, kind of like a Saw thing, but they have to escape by doing the generators, and so it's sort of a gladiatorial kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you could, like, focus on different groups with different killers... You know, intersectionally, as I jump from what's happening in this one, to maybe tie each one together to fit whatever finale you're going for. And, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, Cabin in the Woods did a lot of that, but with just one group, but until the end. But if you could, like, sort of pair that back to what that film ends up like and, like, show different groups competing at the same time with different killers, that, that, that could be interesting. That could be a cool way to do it. Yeah. It would have to be. This is the kind of thing where they they need to find a very yes. creative screenwriter for this kind of movie, like to to make it work. Because I feel like if you're gonna do something like adapt a like a mm. survivor multi franchise horror game like this, you need to have somebody 
who is like yes does stuff kind of out of the box i would bet that they try to tie in the entity a little bit more because that's like the vague one of the vaguest aspects of yeah. the actual game um but you know it seems that they would have a lot of creative freedom i suppose with how yeah. they want to expand on that or that's kind of like the underlining conspiracy if you will that would connect a lot of the sequels you know because people are curious about this thing that's not necessarily discussed a lot or expanded upon in the game so it's like getting to pick apart the reasoning for everything. Yes. I feel like, you know, that's always been an aspect of whether it's horror movies or other movies where it's like a series of films that are all connected that like are hinting at what the conspiracy is that's behind everything kind of. I feel like that's always sort of the thing that could get like rope people along the next film. Yeah. Uh, kind of like with uh, the early days of the Resident Evil movies, right? Mm. It's like they don't tell you everything about Umbrella, but there's little hints and Easter eggs about Umbrella and then they expand on Umbrella more and more and more until you get to, you know, the sort of ludicrous mm-hmm. heights that that series gets to. Yeah, exactly. But uh, Dave, in terms of Dead by Daylight, were there any last points that you had for Dead by Daylight that, you know, make it a standout that we breezed over before we uh, wrap up? I just honestly think like, you know, it's one of the most fun games I've had playing with friends. And I think yeah. that's the big standout for me. Like, that uh and i just think like if you're a horror fan and you just love you know both like you know you love your you know your big licensed characters and you also like you know learning about original stuff too and just having a good time with your friends i think it's it's a really fun game to do absolutely so. well you know we're so thrilled to have you on and to be you know not only pick your brain about a game that you are, uh, you know, much more seasoned in than the two of us, but at the same time, you know, getting to pick your brain about horror, both um, movies and games. I feel like we talked about movies almost as much as we did games and whatnot, <laughs> but, you know, that's <laughs> the, the fun of having uh, such knowledgeable and passionate guests on like yourself onto the show. So thank you for giving us your time, man. And uh, before we let you go, if you wanted to, you know, pimp your socials, let people know where they can find your work, follow you on Twitter or anything like that. Oh, yeah. Thank thank you guys so much for having me. This has been an honor, truly. Um, I, uh, if you want to find me anywhere, it's really just, I'm pretty much just Dave Captiville on everything, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and then my, uh, animated horror comedy series. I'm working on the pilot now with my co-creator, Ashley. It's called Farfetched, and it's, it's Farfetched Show on all the Instagram and all the Instagram, just all the social places and everything. So, uh, if you like, the show is sort of like, it's going to be kind of a combination of Scooby-Doo, Resident Evil, and Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> uh, if you could somehow figure that out. But uh, <laughs> that's what, so uh, we're very excited. Stuff's going to be coming very soon. That we, we, We've been putting out a lot of comics and music for it, but we're working on the actual animation right now. So, but uh, yeah, thank you guys again. Yeah, no, thank you. And uh, we encourage people to check out all of Dave's work and whatnot. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. If you enjoy the show, please rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Safe Room Pod for show updates. As always, our new episodes for Safe Room drop every Monday, but our bite-sized episodes of Horror Bites are Indie Horror Showcase release every Thursday. You can follow our Horror Bites Twitter account at Horror Bites underscore SR. Join our Discord channel, Safe Room Podcast, chat with us and other horror fans about the genre we all love. And finally, you can send emails to saferoompod at gmail.com if you'd like to share your thoughts on a game we're going to cover. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next Monday.